Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with One Rental at a Time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag One Rental at a Time. Now on with the show. Folks, one of the things I love about One Rental at a Time is we have attracted the best of the best in the housing industry. The gold star of that, of course, is Lance Lambert from Resi Club, resiclubanalytics.com. Go get your free daily newsletter by basically. Lance, how you doing, man? Doing good. Uh, Thank you, Zuber, for having me on. Housing, housing, housing. And there is just always so much going on. Um, And this week, I'd love to talk about the housing market's big deficit. And yes, there is a huge deficit in the housing market. And it's the fact that there's the fewest number of new listings pretty much ever on a population adjusted basis. There is just very little going on to the market. And the reason being is the mortgage rate shock. You have so many people that have a two, 3% mortgage rate, very low monthly payments, and they have very little incentive to sell their house to go buy something new because one, it would be a huge financial shock to them. And two, a lot of them couldn't even qualify to do it if they wanted to. Um, So a lot of people are staying put, staying put with their lower fixed debt monthly payments. And what it's translated to, and I'll share my screen uh, to show my calculation, is I tried to actually put a number to it to find out what's the actual listing deficit in the United States. And so how I did the calculation is um, I, I compared every month over the past three years to the same month in 2019. So Ooh, I think like it. 2019 is normal. It's a normal mm-hmm. year. It's a uh, normal number of listings, normal appreciation. The housing market was just very average in 2019. Uh, historically speaking. And so if a month over the past three years had fewer listings than 2019, I call it a deficit. If a month has more listings than 2019, I call it a surplus. And please keep in mind, these are new listings, not active listings. Mm -hmm. So if a market cools way down like Austin, Texas, active listings can climb even if new listings aren't. And actually, Austin's down for new, but then up a lot for active. So keep in mind, this is just what's coming on to the market. And uh, what what we see is that we had in November, and I got the December data today. I got to take a look, but it's around this number still. We had a 52,000 home deficit in November. Um, and so here you can see it. The blue is the number of new listings, and this orangish-red is what's missing from the housing market. And what occurred is back in January, 2022, we went into a new deficit for the number of homes coming onto the market. As mortgage rates went up, got a deficit. And we are starting to see on a uh, year over year basis, the deficit's not as big. The peak of uh, the deficit was like, uh, in terms of like year over year, November of last year, there was a 74,000 home deficit. Now, in the peak of the spring buying season this year, there was a 200,000 home deficit in like June or May. 
hmm. like you can see right here in this chart, like it gets really high. So hmm. it getting smaller here, that's seasonality. Okay. And you really have to compare as year over year. So you got to compare this November and it's not labeled well enough, but it's to this November. And this okay. one is just a little bigger. This deficit will get bigger again next spring, this spring. Mm -hmm. But the question is, does it get as big as this? Oh. I, I don't know, because now we are seeing that on a year-over-year -year basis, new listings are up just a tad. So sure. maybe like peak lock-in effect is behind us. But what we do not have is momentum to close the deficit. There is no momentum to close this deficit. Things would have to dramatically change. And uh, the way that I look at this, uh, if you want to read this, how I kind of think of it in my head, is here, this big drop in the new listings, this was the lockdowns. Correct. So we are on par with the new listing deficit this year of wow. what the lockdowns were for just two months. And the lockdowns, they shut the economy down. Yeah, so yeah. There were realtors that couldn't show homes, Lance. I mean, that's that's crazy. Exactly. And so uh that's why i kind of like this being there is that is yeah. a dramatic drop down historically speaking mm -hmm. and and then we're now in this for like a year and a half like we've been in this 18 months and just not a lot of resale supply coming on the market um and what gets this moving up well it has to be you would assume an, an improvement in affordability affordability you would need mortgage rates to come in and maybe significantly to really get new listings back uh but you have people like sean amherst uh who's the ceo uh or sean dobson the ceo of amherst they have forty four thousand homes and they have the best turnover model which is modeling down to like an individual home level the odds of somebody selling that home within x number of years and private institutions all over the world come to them to buy this model and to use it. And their model actually has new listings falling further. They think turnover is going to get worse. And this lock-in effect of these people with 2 and 3% mortgage rates, what Sean told me is he thinks those homes were essentially burnt down is how they're thinking of it. Like they're just not selling a, yeah, a lot. They really have to. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, you and I, I mean, you and I talked well over a year ago that the, I called it the Fed broke housing and they, and what does that really mean? They've killed turnover for, for decades, you know, turnover, AKA the move up buyer was a, was a process you could almost calculate. And it sounds like Amherst has, that is all those models are broken. They're just broken. Well, yeah, everything's pushing out further and we had already for demographic reasons and other reasons and state regulation reasons and stuff like that, we had gotten to a point where turnover was already moving to the his, new Correct. historic highs and continuing to set them. And now you have the, the demographic part of it where people live longer, have been uh, migrating less. Um, <clears throat> and then you throw in the fact, oh, and now those who have mortgages, a lot of them have two and 3% mortgage rates. I mean, the net effect is 3% mortgage rate uh, at 3.6. That was measured in the summer. Maybe it's up to 3.8 now, but still it's under 4%. Yeah. The effective um, mortgage rate at 3.6 now call it 3.8. You're absolutely right. That's yeah. There's, there's no very, if, there's no financial incentive. You're only going to move if you have to, frankly, a lot. I'm actually hearing more and more people, Lance, turn their house into a rental and rent somewhere else. 
right? Which is not something you typically do. Once you become a homeowner, typically speaking, if you have to get a job somewhere else, you sell the house, move the equity to your new location. But to your earlier point, people don't qualify. You might yeah. be a homeowner already, but you can't qualify under the new price slash rate area. It's it's the the market's broken. It's just broken. Yeah, it's a very constrained market is the way I would describe that. And uh, that's putting it very nicely. And <laughs> that's that's the Lance politically correct answer. The market's broken is Zuber's answer. I want to switch gears because one of the things, one of the ways out of this mess is build for rent, right? We obviously have home builders building homes for owner ox, but there's also the build for rent model. There's a lot of talk, a lot of doomers out there chasing build for rent saying it's not a it's a model that's broken there's all this hidden inventory it's doomed to fail um but you actually talk to the ceos you're not just some poser on the street you actually talk to the ceo so what what's going on in the build for rent area yeah um yeah so i had a conversation recently with the ceo of uh i think it's Lotura development i don't know how to pronounce it i'm not i'm not the best at uh, pronunciation um, but he he uh, is a developer out in California. They're actually one of the biggest in the Southwest for um, for apartments. And um, I actually know it's multi yeah it's multifamily residential that they're big in, and then self storage. They're like uh, one of the biggest in the Southwest U.S. And they decided to do a build for rent project. And what it is, their CEO Charles, uh, he was out in. Um, Albuquerque looking at an apartment building to buy mm -hmm. and uh, the agent there told him, Hey, you know, uh, and, and so the numbers didn't make sense. He didn't want to get the building, but the, the, the person showing him the building, the agent said, Hey, you know, if you had a build for rent community, I could lease it faster than you could build it. And she said, for evidence, look at this place. It's packed full of millennials and, you know, they're starting to have families. They want more space. We don't have enough single family rentals here um, and townhomes. And so he decided that was a good idea. And the past couple of years, he's gotten everything figured out. And they are now building. Uh, they've gotten into build for rent and they're going to do it in Albuquerque, like 300. Uh, it's 340 units total, 142 are single family homes, 202 are townhomes. And they have, you know, there's community offerings like co-working spaces, barbecue areas, pools, fitness and stuff. But it's really geared at those millennial families who are now moving from their multifamily renting. And if they can't afford to buy a home or they're not ready yet, they kind of want that single family or townhome rental. And so he's preparing for that. But he's doing no financing. The rates just don't make sense. He's not doing financing. And what he said is if they can get rates down a bit more, you know, maybe we come down another point, then before the deal all closes, they'll do financing. But right now they're waiting on that part. But he said the biggest part, thing that's going on and build for rent right now is just the math doesn't make a lot of sense because of the capital cost. And so what he believes will happen is that there's going to be a very big pullback or a, a pullback and build for rent yeah. completions. Agreed. Not now. You know, now it's fairly high because they're still coming into the market. Yeah. But he's thinking by the time this community's done, which they just broke ground last month, 
They're going to be done late 20, 2025 into 2026. He's hoping by then things will slow down because there's not a lot of new stuff getting started right now. Yeah, like there's in, not a lot of groundbreaking. Finance, yes. And a lot of the stuff that's going onto the market now or about to go on the market, this was stuff that was financed during the pandemic, which gets you into a whole discussion about the economy, which gets me wondering, like, is the effects of this rate hiking cycle still pushed out further? Uh, because this there's going to be a big drop off in multifamily. Not this yeah. year. Right now, actually, the, the number of completions this year are going up. There's going to yes. be a lot of multifamily units hit the market this year. But after, that's when you might exactly. start. Yeah. Uh, but so what Ivy Zellman, I listened to a podcast she had four weeks ago. She said uh, a lot of these build for rent starts, which, you know, starts right now, like they're starting the projects to build, were purchased and financed a year or two ago. We expect to see build for rent deceleration. It is. It just isn't penciling. We're seeing build for rent developers that are trying to sell a lot of their communities to builders for the for sale market because the challenges with the higher cost of debt. We see that market right now under a lot of pressure. Yep. So, you know, a lot of these uh, firms that wanted, uh, you know, have these communities uh, of rentals they will partner with the builder to build them. Yep. And now, based on what Ivy's saying, some of them are going back to the builder and saying, hey, <laughs> we'll sell it back to you and you right. go sell for the purchase market. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's kind of interesting. But she added, don't expect it to go away, um, which it sounds about right. Because, you know, the view uh, a lot of a lot of these people is that even if you don't believe the U.S. is underbuilt in terms of the multi-side, a lot of people believe the single-family side is underbuilt. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so there's still a demand out there in the marketplace for these single-family rentals. For your crowd, it's probably a good thing to see a deceleration in the number of completions for single-family rentals. Absolutely. Um, and uh, it is worth noting that single family rents in almost every market in the US were up last year. And the couple that were down, we're talking like Austin, and it wasn't even down a full percent for single family rents. And house prices in Austin are down like 15, 18%, uh, which is interesting. But then on the multifamily side, especially in the boom towns, we are seeing falling rents, uh, lots of incentives, and uh, more downward pressure this year, potentially, as all these multifamily units hit the market. So I, I think the story with real estate is always know your categories and then also know your submarkets. And then within, like you say, know your buy box as well. Uh, there, there's always a lot going on that it, it, it's a lot more complicated than just the headlines. Yeah, I think there's so much in that I just want to hit again. One uh, you did an article, Resi Club Analytics, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about single family rents. And again, up in all markets, a couple of that were down were less than a percent. I think that would surprise people because the narrative is rents are falling. Multifamily, certainly big multifamily versus singles is a very different market. And, and no one really focused there except you in Resi Club. The other thing is you and I talked about nine months ago, it might've been 10 months ago, that given Silicon Valley Bank, First Republic Bank, community banks, commercial banks pulling back, builders were going to suffer. 
And this is what we just talked about with build for rent is one example. It doesn't pencil. Pencils down. We're not doing the deal. That is going to come back to bite us this year sometime. And, and we talked nine months ago. It's probably the spring. There's going to be less net new inventory from builders because they just they sat on their hands. Uh, so I am nervous about what we talked about very early on is, you know, the deficit. I think it's going to get worse. I'm not sure we've seen the peak, uh, especially if rates stay, you know, six-ish. Um, I don't know where you come out on this. There's been plenty of opinions and articles about the magic interest rate where supply is, you know, the move-up buyer comes back. Yeah, I think I I'm, I'm, I think I'm hopeful on single-family construction because okay. the purchase market. The builders went out and they met the market. They found out what was the right mix of incentives and affordability adjustments. And this cycle, it was buy downs. They found out what worked um, and they've been able to keep it going. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out. Uh, you know, affordability is obviously a stress and there are some builders in some markets that are feeling more of a pinch. And like you said, there is the fact that one, uh, there's a tightening of lending after the bank crisis. And then two, not everything's as rosy for the small builders. They don't have in-house mortgage companies like Pulte Group, like Lennar, like DR Horton. Uh, and so they've kind of been slower to catch up with their affordability adjustments. Um, and then the third is this whole build for rent thing. Uh, and that's probably further out, um, the pullback there. Uh, in terms of the institutional capital flowing into these build for rent deals that's really pulled back since rates went up a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. The, the thing that I do think will happen is there will be, a uh, as we get past 2024, the multifamily side, what's coming onto the market is going to come way back. Um, and there, that, there's, that will pull, pull back. And, and the reason that multi-rents have softened more is because there was just a ginormous amount of supply coming into the market that the single family side just didn't see. And one thing is there has been a bit of a pullback in like housing starts, but the amount of completions for single, fam uh, for single family homes has stayed fairly strong despite the pullback in starts. It hasn't been felt on completions. And the reason is, is the build cycle was able to be reduced by two months almost mm -hmm. as the supply chain issues got worked out. And so the completions actually stayed steady despite the starts coming down um, and despite permits coming down. So, but we'll we'll see how it plays out long term. Um, but I, I yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that uh, the housing starts side stays resilient just yeah. because if you look at the sales, which is the very beginning of the funnel. The, the builders have done a good job in terms of moving sales back up over the past 12 months. Yeah. I don't know if one of your many data sources in your network includes a company. I think it's called TREP. Uh, I, I, I don't work with them directly, but they are one of the best, especially for commercial real estate. Yeah. So the reason I was bringing this up, one of the people I speak with on Thursday is big in the multifamily syndication space. And apparently on LinkedIn, TREP, published an article recently, like this week, that multifamily pain is larger than office pain. 
meaning delinquencies, foreclosures. And not part of that's because multifamily is bigger than office, but also because multifamily was the land of new syndicators and overpaying where office was always kind of the insurance companies, all of that. So I think the pain in multifamily is uh, it's just starting. Well, so the reason we don't hear enough about it is one, uh, the people who publish a lot of the very negative content, that side of the world, that side of the economy just goes over their head. It's too yeah, complex. It's too, it's too complex. Much. Yeah. And, and also, it, it, you know, these real estate cycles play out so slow. Yes, uh, the story exactly. can be boring. Um, and then, yeah, so it, it will be interesting to see how that all plays out, um, you know, have a close eye on. It. And, you know, even myself, you know, I kind of wish I was more well-versed in some of the ins and outs of the multi-side. Um, you know, it, there's going to be a need for really good coverage on that side uh, yeah. the next 24 months. Um, exactly it, right. It's the next 24 months. That's There will be tremendous opportunity in that space. But to your point, it won't be an event. It won't be a cliff. It'll just bleed for 24 months. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, and there there will be some big groups that go down probably. I mean, uh, I will say, absolutely. There, there are some, there's plenty of pain coming. Yeah. And of course, where there's great pain, there's great opportunity. I believe, and I've said publicly, that the opportunity this cycle is in multifamily. And the good news for folks like me is it's not only the big boys, it's the fives to 40 units. You know, I do want to actually say one thing is there, huh? there will be small pockets of single family distress. Sure. Not because of the single family markets necessarily, but because of the debt financing within some of these groups and they accumulated exactly. so fast. So exactly. if you read Resi Club, I actually found one of these working with Parcel Labs. It's called Vinebrook. They own, they own 27,000 homes. Now it's down to 25 and they have several uh, hundred on the market right now. And it, I looked in their late November uh, SEC filing and they have like a hundred million dollar loan coming up or a hundred. I didn't look at it again, yeah. but it's a big number. And they said in there, we'll probably have to continue liquidating homes to cover it. It's about uh, the it's debt. Been, it's always the debt that blows people up. So there are like 20 or so of these neighborhoods where these home uh, zip codes, where these, the Vinebrook homes now make up like 20 or 30% of the inventory. They are wow. taking price cuts. Oh, no uh, question. The Dayton, Pittsburgh, uh, Milwaukee, Cincinnati. So I do think there are potentially some opportunities in single family homes, but you have to, you have to really have your ear down to the pavement or whatever that saying is to find yeah. some of the, just do the work, folks, pretty, do the work. Yeah. They are, they just aren't going to be like the multi-side, uh, yeah. where, you know, th there's a, there's going to be a lot more of those. Although the problem with those is, uh, it, it, it's a trickier world. Yeah. It's going to be pretty awesome. Well, let's not forget, Lance, you have you in Resi Club is coming to our event in Vegas, February 17th and 18th. It's like 45 days away or something. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to look forward to seeing there. Uh, they're going to want to be taking your picture and asking you questions. So thank you for coming out. I look forward to seeing you in person. Uh, where can people find Resi Club and get these free articles Monday through Friday? Yeah, uh, you can find Resi Club at resiclubanalytics.com. That's the website. I do uh, one free issue during the weekday every day, so five issues a week. And then I have three additional stories to go to Resi Club Pro. That's my premium tier, give access to a lot more of my spreadsheets where I track inventory days on market prices, 
county level, metro level, about to do zip code, but not quite ready. And, uh, and then you can also find me on Twitter, at News Lambert, uh, where I'm constantly, every day, just tweeting out a lot, of, a lot of housing stuff. Right now, I'm on a little bit of a home insurance kick because there's ah, just a yes. big shock there, which uh, would be an interesting topic to get into as well. Uh, uh, but so at News Lambert and then resiclubanalytics.com. Yeah, I have some direct experience with some significant increases in insurance this year. So yeah, we can talk about that. Maybe we'll make that a topic for next week. Lance, you're amazing. Thank you for saying yes to come out to Vegas. I know the audience will love to see you there. Take care. Thank you.